when we're closed, that's when they're just like, nope, end of the conversation, not going there. That's why as therapists, we really have to get people comfortable so that we're not just saying, well, it doesn't seem like you're ready. Back in the day, that's what they would do. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not ready for this, so bye-bye. Now we realize, no, we can have such a positive impact on people just giving them the space to help them to see when they may need to make some changes. And nowadays, instead of just saying you're not ready, goodbye, mm-hmm. now you have them stick around. You keep collecting co-pays until they're ready. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> Broadcasting live from the proverbial couch, I am Brian Mulhern. It is time for Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. She in the therapist chair as she is a licensed mental health therapist. And every once in a while, Courtney says to me, Brian, I don't know how your brain works. I don't know where you come up with these (laughs) ideas. (laughs) And this is probably another one of those. And get ready for the first dated reference of the day. I'm calling this one the greatest American hero effect. (laughs) Now, if you don't know what that show is, you are much younger than we are. But back in the 80s, it was basically this guy by the name of Ralph Hinckley. Mm -hmm. He was a high school teacher who was visited by aliens. These aliens (laughs) delivered a suit which granted him superhuman abilities. Mm -hmm. It was basically a superhero suit. Now, not only did he hate wearing it, but very early on, he ended up losing the instruction manual to it. (laughs) So the only way to use it from there was very reluctantly, clumsily, through trial and error, and most days it did not go well. How does that serve us from a therapy (laughs) perspective, you may be asking, well, it does in this way. We often discuss how things like depression and anxiety can become unhealthy comfort zones over time. Those cause you to fall into these ruts. Mm -hmm. Those ruts devolve into patterns, and eventually it can be really difficult to extricate yourself from those situations. So ideally, therapy is a way out of that trap. Now, stay with me over time. (laughs) Once counselor also grants his or her patient the equivalent of that protective suit to assist in overcoming their versions of problems, issues can arise should the patient in question veer from using all that has been learned from this edition of the instruction manual. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to take an old comfort zone and turn it into a new comfort zone Mm -hmm. through trial and error and also through teamwork because on the show, he also had a girlfriend, he had an FBI agent who got involved and some students. And for the patient, you're getting the help from the therapist. Mm -hmm. So Courtney, basically (laughs) what I'm saying is, Once you find out what is wrong and once you start making moves to try to muddle your way through it, some of it you have to do on your own, some of it you do with your therapist. Once you get there, you want a new comfort zone. Right. But it takes a lot of work. And my question to you would be, as the person who is handing out the instruction manual, Mm -hmm. how do you keep people, once you think you've figured out their problems, to stay on the right path and not revert back to what they were? Right. And that can be the biggest challenge. But I have to give you props, A, for remembering all of the plot with that, with the greatest American hero, because I was like, I don't even remember that. I really did like that. And what I should have said is, settle in, kids. We're going to tell you a story, because that was a nice (laughs) little intro. But, you know, I missed my chance at that in the beginning. So, basically, I think that is a great way to unfold this whole thing. Yes, we are there to try to help give support and to help people along this journey. And also, like you said, to open up that comfort zone, to make it bigger and be comfortable with more things and more challenges. And 
you have to start to look at yourself differently and also how you are holding illness and to be open to that challenge of maybe doing some different things, looking at things differently to try to feel better. We've talked about this in other shows too. With mental health issues, there can also be a large component of where medication is helpful. But it's all about too doing things differently, looking at things differently and asking for the help that you need. In some ways, it reminds me of parenting. And I remember when my mom was still with me and she was talking about raising a child, she said, you bring them along and then at some point you give them their wings Mm -hmm. and then you send them off to fly and then you watch them crash and burn several Mm -hmm. times over. That's what was happening to Ralph Hinckley. Every time he had to fly, he couldn't remember how to do it and it was very choppy. (laughs) He'd be crashing into trees and bushes. I do remember that. (laughs) Yeah. It can be that bumpy once you figure out what you need to do and as you're trying to get to that point where you get to that healthy comfort zone Mm -hmm. out of the unhealthy comfort zone. And I think another good analogy in all of this is if you've lost weight, losing weight is half the battle. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's even the easy part. It's sticking to it. And you know, if you do a starvation diet, you might drop all kinds of pounds. But as soon as you go back to any semblance of actually eating, you're going to pack them back on because your body's like, what's going on? And it feels like it has to store Mm -hmm. everything. So there are healthy and unhealthy ways of doing that. And that's what we're exploring this week. Exactly. And it's so interesting, too, because a lot of times when people start new behaviors and new habits and we say, how about you try this or let's look at this or, hey, try some new relaxation for your anxiety or maybe we need to challenge some of your beliefs and look at things differently to help you with your depression. A lot of times I'll hear, yeah, I tried it. They'll go out for the week. I tried it once and I'll say, well, how many times you try? I tried it once or I tried it twice. It didn't work for me. And I'm like, okay, but here's the thing. How many times did you practice some of the unhealthy stuff or how many times have you practiced the negative self-talk or the doubting mind? How many times were you practicing that? We've got to practice this a lot more. It's practice and repeat and come back. And like you said, just like in the show when he would crash, there's always lessons to be learned Uh out of that. And the therapist provides the space to be able to explore that and say, okay, well, what didn't work? Or what didn't you like about this? Well, maybe we can modify or change this. Or maybe let's look at another way that in the case of relaxation, maybe you didn't like the meditation, but do you like to do some deep breathing? Or maybe there's some other kind of forms of meditation we can tap into, put some soft music on. Maybe there's some other things that we can do. Maybe the first attempts weren't something that resonated with you. But the point is to keep practicing and repeating and not giving up after the first time because it's uncomfortable. Because guess what? It's all going to be uncomfortable because it's new behavior. And let me introduce another analogy, too, in terms of the instruction manual thing. When you suggest something to one of your patients and they say, I tried it once and it didn't work, so I'm moving on. (laughs) What if you're assembling something from Ikea and you're looking at that instruction manual and you're like, no, that step Mm, is too hard. I'm going to try to do it my way or I'm going to skip that step and not use this part. I don't know if I'm going to want to sit down on that chair by the time (laughs) that you're done with it. And I think people really have to let go of that relationship when it comes to walking into a therapist's office because we all think that we know better. But at the end of the day, we're the ones who are seeking help because if you're being honest with yourself, you don't know what you're doing and you need some guidance. That doesn't say that you don't have the wherewithal to get it done, but you need to be open to suggestion. And, you know, even just yesterday, I was talking to a client. They were talking about a very 
stressful situation. And I said, I get that. I said, but if you hold on to all of that stress 24-7 when there's other things that you could be doing to try to make yourself more healthy and do some self-care, it's only going to hurt you. And there's nothing you can do about the current situation other than the things that you've already done. So I said, how about you allow yourself, take a chair, and actually in your mind, practice saying, I'm going to take all this stress and all of this anxiety. I'm going to put it in the chair, all my worries in the chair. I'm going to allow it to sit there. Maybe I practice leaving it there for five minutes out of the day, 10 minutes, a half an hour, and doing something else. I can always go back and pick that up. Because for some people, that is their comfort zone. Is they're uncomfortable if they're feeling like, oh, I don't have that thing to worry about, or I should be always focused on that. So I say, leave it there. Practice getting some distance from it and do some other things. And before you know it, you may practice enough so that you feel more comfortable leaving some of those troubles in one spot and taking care of yourself in another. The bad news is that aforementioned chair was purchased from Ikea. Brian put it together and he did skip a couple of steps. So be very, very As soon careful. as the worries went in there, it just fell right down, Brian. But yeah, it's just an example of sometimes people want to hold on to the thing, even if it doesn't serve them. They're afraid to let some of that go or to change some of their habits. Well, your issues do become that very comfortable mm-hmm. chair or that pair of jeans that you think fit just perfectly mm-hmm. when the reality is it's become comfortable because you've been doing it over and over again, right. thinking that whatever that habit is or that approach is, it's your only way out. Mm-hmm. But the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. Mm-hmm. That's basically where you are when you do get stuck. And that's why sometimes people, it might be hard for them or to them, it just seems impossible to right. get out of a certain cycle of thinking to take a new approach. Mm-hmm. And it's uncharted territory. So it does become terrifying. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, either you stay on the same treadmill and you don't get any better, or you take that leap of faith and it might work, it might not. Right. But if that one doesn't work, that doesn't mean that there are no other options. Maybe there's another one that you exactly. can try, but you have to be willing to try. You're gathering more information. It's kind of being scientific in that way. It's like, okay, let's try this. This didn't work, or maybe this did resonate with you. So then let's go with this avenue too and see if we can add that on. So it's opening your mind to knowing that this is the exploration. It's not about we're just going to solve this, bing, bang, boom. It's like we have to explore. And that's part of it, too, because when you're in therapy, you're opening up to allow yourself to listen to yourself and explore all of the thoughts and feelings that you have so that you can get some feedback from someone. Because sometimes when we live in that vacuum, we make it a lot worse in our head than when we actually share it with somebody and get some validation around it and some support. Based on the tools that I have picked up through my therapeutic experiences from time to time, I will give people advice. And this is where I get the most frustrated, Courtney, and Mm -hmm. I want to know how you handle this because I'm sure you have run into this. I will say something to somebody. Mm -hmm. I will give them a suggestion as to what they might need to do to get out of it. And they will say, I know you're right and I know what you're saying is right, but I just can't do it. Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, that's the thing. What we do in therapy is we also measure for readiness to change. And so we can make suggestions. We can hold a space for people to kind of come up with their own solutions. But if they're not ready to take those steps, then what we're trying to do is we're trying to enhance their readiness. And I may say to people, or people might say, just like what you said, that sounds like a great idea, probably what I should do, but I'm not going to do it, basically is what they're saying. I'm not ready to do that. So what we do is, instead of head on, we try to explore that from side routes. And one of the ways that I do 
do that with people. I want to be very clear. I'm not trying to say that people can just instantly change this or that they're trying to stay depressed or anxious or with mental health issues because they want to. But what I do talk to people about is what is the payoff? Every behavior that we do, there is a payoff. Even if we're getting something back that we feel is negative and we're like, oh my gosh, I don't like the way I'm feeling so anxious. There is a payoff to everything. And sometimes there's a payoff to staying stuck. And the payoff might be that I'm too afraid. I have a lot of fear. So the payoff is I stay safer because like we said, we stay safer in a comfort zone that we know. It's the devil that we know. So we may be afraid to step forward. I talked to one of my clients. I'll never forget. I was trying to frame it in a very sensitive way. He was very depressed for a very long time. And all of the suggestions, sometimes they would just kind of roll. He'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wouldn't want to try it. And I finally, I said, what is the payoff to staying in this depression and not trying to help change some of these behaviors? And he said, what are you talking about? I don't want to be depressed. And I said, no, I get it. I get the fact that this is a chemical imbalance and you're feeling awful. But if you're not willing to try something, then what are you afraid of? And he said, you know what? Part of it is, is that then I'll be expected to do all these other things and to maybe engage with other people in ways that I'm not comfortable with, or maybe I'll have to step out of this and maybe I'll have to go back to work and I'm nervous about that. So it started to open up a conversation about what the fears were behind this. And so from there, it's easier to start to talk to people about what their resistance is because really they're trying to protect themselves. It does become a comfort zone that they know. And it's hard sometimes to make those changes and it could just be pure fear out of moving into a direction that they're like, I don't know, like I'd be put in a position where now I got to change some things and it's scary. I've been in that position of being attached to what I perceive to be mm-hmm. safety and what I needed to realize was in taking a step back, that was the mental illness. Mm-hmm. That stubbornness was the oh, problem. Yes. And mm-hmm. you can be attached to, let's say, a certain relationship that's not working out. Mm-hmm. And for you to move away from that, that's you saying goodbye to the relationship. Right. And you don't want to. You want to hold on to it for dear life, hoping against hope that maybe somehow this is going to get mm-hmm. resolved when in reality, deep down, you know that that's not the case. But for as long as you're still hanging on, Mm -hmm. you do feel better about it and you feel safe. Whereas if you're just going out there and saying, all right, well, not that, what's the next option? That can be terrifying. Yeah, very scary. We talk about Carolyn Hacks and her advice column. I really like her because she tells it like it is. (laughs) She doesn't use the soft touch that Courtney uses and sometimes (laughs) that does bother you. But the other day I was reading one and a guy said to her, look, I drink way too much beer and wine. And I know it's empty calories and I know it's bad for me. And I know you're just going to tell me to stop drinking. And yeah, I know I get it, but it's just not that easy. So what do you have to say to that? And her response was, and this was a softer one than I've usually seen from her, but it was true. And I've Mm -hmm. been in this position and it does work. Never try to quit anything cold turkey. Mm -hmm. Never try to just rip the bandaid off. I guess never, you should never say never. But in many instances, it's incremental. And she said, if it's the kind of thing where you come home from work and the first thing that you do is you plop down in front of the TV and you grab a beer, how about instead of plopping down in front of the TV, you go and you pick up a book and you start reading that. Mm -hmm. Start trying new routines and new habits, ones that you don't associate with the alcohol. And once you start thinking about the book and not the TV with which you associate 
associate that other habit. Right. Maybe later on you can grab a beer and watch some TV, but that's a baby step in another direction mm-hmm. as opposed to just completely taking the car, spinning it into a 180, right. and then taking off at top speed. And that's a perfect example of what we do when we're trying to help people to have more help around their readiness to change. It's motivational interviewing, actually, is when we talk to people about what's been giving you the problem around this and how can we help you to alter some of these behaviors and to just kind of get into your mind that you can make some small changes. You don't have to just throw it all out because if you're not ready for those big changes, maybe we just challenge one thing. Like I talked about before with the one idea of something like, oh, I can't handle change or let's change one belief and let's see where we go or let's try to alter something in the smallest way. Very oftentimes when we're dealing with people who have substance issues, we're dealing with mental health issues. The mental health issue, like you said, like the depression, the depression wants to tell you a story. Like, nope, you can't do that. Nope, I don't feel like it. Nope, I'm not motivated. It tells you a story. So I often tell people, we've got to challenge that story. And even if you just put your sneakers next to the door and go for a walk for five minutes and come back, just to show that you are in control, that you can change some of these behaviors, just like you said, of him sitting down and reading a book instead of going directly to drinking, that you start to alter some of those things and challenge some of that, then I've had plenty of clients saying, I've altered this and I've altered that. And now, you know what? I still have an issue with the drinking or with the drug use. Now I'm ready to quit it because now I can see where it's really infiltrating different parts of my life. But they needed to go on those baby steps and I needed to hold them in that and say, let's practice some harm reduction instead of all or nothing. And I think that's important with all mental health issues. And for as silly as this may sound, the routine of that guy coming home and plopping down and watching TV... Mm -hmm. And instead of doing that, reading a book, that's proving that you can make a little change in your life, even though maybe you really want to watch that TV show. But okay, let me try to find a different form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, if you take enough of those baby steps, you can start taking the bigger ones. And to go back to the Ralph Hinckley greatest American hero analogy, Mm -hmm. this guy gets his superhero suit. He doesn't have the instruction manual or he doesn't have enough information. If he immediately starts trying to fly, pick up a very heavy rocket, (laughs) flip a car over. All at once, of course, it's going to be disastrous. It's going to be exhausted. But if one day, let me try to focus on the flying a mm-hmm. little bit, and then after I get that down, maybe I try to pick up that heavy rock. Right. right. Things of that nature. That's how you need to approach it in therapy, especially mm-hmm. when you don't have the tools. And there's no way you're going to have all of the tools right. immediately. And this is where patience becomes very important. You have to have patience. And again, it goes back to practice, repeating, getting feedback, listening to yourself, and being open. Because when we're closed, that's when they're just like, nope, end of the conversation, not going there. That's why as therapists, we really have to get people comfortable and help come at them from different ways so that we're not just saying, well, it doesn't seem like you're ready. Back in the day, that's what they would do. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not ready for this, so bye-bye. Now we realize, no, we can have such a positive impact on people, just giving them the space to help them to see when they may need to make some changes. It's not for me to say, but I do have the tools, and hey, I can give you some encouragement along the way to help change some things up. And nowadays, instead of just saying you're not ready, goodbye, Mm -hmm. now you have them stick around. You keep collecting copays until they're ready. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. But no, that just shows you how much work that it takes. It's a process. That it is a process. And if somebody says to you, you're not ready, Mm -hmm. then your attitude is going to be, well, bleep this and just walk out and say, I'm never going to bother with that again. That's what used to happen is this clash. And then people would get what? A horrible first taste of therapy and counseling. They'd be like afraid to go back 
check in because they're going to get yelled at or they're going to get told that, yeah, you're not ready for this. Well, well, guess what? There's so many other things that you can work on to help you get ready for whatever it is that you need to get ready. It's not my definition as a therapist. It's your definition as the client of what you need to do to get ready. And I've said this before. My first experience with therapy was horrible mm-hmm. and it could have caused me to walk away from it forever. Right. But I realized and I told myself, well, maybe I just have the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And I did. Ultimately, yeah. that's what it was. Just like we say, there are terrible podcast hosts, there are terrible therapists, mm-hmm. there are terrible cops, teachers, but there are also really good ones of yeah, all of, of those too. Of and you have to realize that every version of whatever that is out there is human and some are going to be better or worse than others. Mm-hmm. But don't let that deter you from figuring everything out exactly. or making you think that you can't find that person. As I say to many people about marriage, mm-hmm. more than 50% of those fail. So do you look at those numbers and say, well, I'm never going to be married? Because if you want to extrapolate that out further, what about people that you date? What's the failure rate on that? So you're mm-hmm. going to say, well, I'm never going to do that again. And some people do, I suppose. But it's more about trying and trying, dating this one, trying this person until right. you finally find that perfect match. And it takes that kind of effort and work and repetitiveness. And therapy is not unlike that at all. Right. And that's what I always tell people. I will hold the hope until you're able to take it back. I will hold the hope for you in that space. And the thing that I always try to challenge people to do, too, is to see their strengths, see their light. That's the other thing that's very scary about changing behavior is a lot of times people do not want to see what their full potential and what their light is because they're so disappointed. They've been disappointed. They've been hurt. They're resentful. They don't want to see that. And it's for me to kind of fan the flames to say, yes, you are worth this. And I will hold the hope for you until you can take it and you can move forward. Are you talking about people who can't take compliments? Oh, God. I hate Brian, those people. I'm talking to you as his face gets red. Every time somebody says a comment, I go, here we go. The beat red. Here we go. We did our morning radio show today, and that came up, and yeah. then people started coming at me with yeah. the compliments, and I just He's wanted like, to move down. on so quickly. Like, I wanted to put on my greatest American hero suit, jump out the window, and crash into a tree. He's like, I can't take it, all these nice compliments. But that's the thing. That's what we do in therapy, too. It's strengths-based. We always point out the strengths, because it's true, because what people have, I mean, people are amazingly resilient and all the great beautiful strength that they have but they can't see it for themselves they're so used to just putting it down and that kind of thing but we also do it so that you can help to see it for yourself so that you can start to say wow I do have some resilience and I have gotten through that and I did find a good attitude to get through that or I did help this person and when you can start to connect those you can start to see that it is worth it it is worth the struggle it's worth falling on your face a few times and being like oh I don't know what I'm doing and it's worth asking for help and that is why it's so important to know your strengths. In a lot of ways, it's like a big giant jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And maybe you hit a point where you get frustrated and you're like, am I missing a piece? What's yeah. wrong? Did they not put it in the box? But right. you stick at it until you get it done. And when you're done, you're so satisfied. And, and it's, oh. that's exactly what it's like for this. And it's a beautiful thing to see the person growing and evolving. It's also beautiful to be part of that whole process because sometimes you're just like, am I helping them at all? Like sometimes it's so <laughs> frustrating. And I know I've had this conversation with other therapists like, are we doing good? What's happening? Because when you're in the work, sometimes you can't see it. You're in it. You're grinding. You're, you're like too going 
back and forth. You're too close. And then you step back and I say, oh my gosh, I have some long-term clients I've been with for like eight, 10 years. And I have people who have just done amazingly. And I'm just like, wow. And I have to stop them sometimes at the end of session and be like, I just have to acknowledge you. This is beautiful, not only for your life and everything that's going on, but for me to witness that and be a part of it, I feel so honored. It is. It's an amazing journey. But just hanging in there and asking for that help when you need it, so important. Well, on a more limited level, too, I've been at this point where I get scared, too, where I say, am I hurting this person more than I'm helping them? Mm -hmm. I don't know if therapists undergo that at all. And sometimes I say, look, I'm not professionally trained. So that's when I definitely do send them to a therapist. Mm -hmm. But I imagine as a human being, you've probably asked yourself that question, too. Of course. Sometimes I'm like, am I the right therapist for them? Maybe they need a male therapist. Maybe they need somebody who understands more of what they're going through because culturally there may be some things on the table that maybe I'm not able to relate to as well. So there's always these questions and it's funny, I will, at this point, I am still uncomfortable with any kind of (laughs) conflict and stuff like that. But as a therapist, I know it's important for me to throw that out there. And so I have thrown that out there. A lot of times people will come back with surprising answers to me that I am very helpful to them. But I think it's always good. And I tell my clients that too, if you have any reservations about something, you need to talk to me. This is part of the process. It's not about just being nice, just putting a nice spin on things. You need to talk to me if you're having trouble or if I'm having trouble relating and I'm struggling. It's important for me to talk to them, too. It's a partnership. Well, Courtney, it's my hope that after this podcast, we have handed people at least maybe the cover sheet to their instruction Mm -hmm. manual, perhaps the foreword, and while maybe not their pair of wings, maybe a couple of feathers. There you go. So that they can take that (laughs) leap and start this process and know that it takes time, Mm -hmm. but you can do it if you're willing to stick with it. I'm living proof, having been through all of the therapy that I've been through, and believe me, I'm not perfect as Courtney loves, I say this all the time, in a thousand different directions. (laughs) A thousand different directions. But that doesn't mean that I can't or should stop trying to be perfect, and I'll never get there, but the better that I become, the better it is for everybody around me, and the better that it is for my own mental health Exactly. Keep challenging yourself, whether you're in therapy or not, if you want to connect with support groups, if you want to do some reading, bibliotherapy is awesome. Picking out some books that you can really get into. What you expose yourself to each day really helps, okay, is this nourishing me? Is this helping me grow? These are the things that help us to just keep moving on our journey and to know that it's going to be hard and we're going to fall down sometimes, but find those supports around you and maybe be a support with someone else. You can be each other's cheerleader <laughs> to make it through some of these things. And if maybe you just need a good laugh, look up old episodes of The Greatest American Hero. There you go. You know, it spawned a great theme song that George Costanza uses as his uh-huh, answer machine message. That is so true. Maybe we'll play out with that today. Oh, that's a good idea. Instead of Toby Keith. So in right. the meantime, episode 42 in the books. Courtney, if they want to get in touch with you. You can email me, wellness at wctk.com. And don't forget, we have great resources for you that you can look up anytime on our Wellness Wednesday page at catcountry.com. We're all over the place on socials at Cat Country Mornings in many spots. I'm Brian Mulhern on personal pages. She is Courtney Kelly or Courtney Kelly Bedard. You can find Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian on Spotify, on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, your smart devices, and make sure you spread the word to let other people know. Leave us a review. Leave us your yeah. thoughts. And if you have ideas for future episodes, we welcome those as well. Absolutely. Believe it or not, <laughs> we are all done here until episode 43. He, he, he. I'm Brian. She's Courtney. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Must be out or I pick up the phone.
Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home.